welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 52nd episode, our guest is Ryan Wegner. Ryan Wegner is one of the founders of Autumn, that's spelled A-U-D-M, an app which presents the world's best long-form journalism read aloud word-for-word by celebrated audiobook narrators. Ryan graduated from Columbia University, where he also earned a PhD in clinical psychology. He's worked for two previous startups on the business development slash strategy side. Before Autumn, he worked at a VA hospital treating veterans suffering from, among other things, PTSD and addiction. He lives in Los Angeles with his wife, one-year-old daughter, and beloved dog, Luna. You can find him on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash O-U-E-G-N-E-R. And now on to the show. Hi, this is Ryan. Hey, it's Rob. How's it going? Hey, Rob. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and let people know whatever you want, to, want them to know about yourself here to start out with. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I know it's a big question, I mean, but... <laughs> um, I mean, me personally, or the company, or... Uh, what, what, yeah, here? whatever whatever you want to start with is fine. Um, if you want to start with this company, that's fine. If you want to start with you, that's fine, too. So. Sure. I mean, I can start with the company. That's what I... Sure. I, I know that better than myself. Days, so. um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, Autumn is a... Uh, it's, it's really a, a destination platform where you can access... Um, your long-form content in audio form. Um, So right now that platform takes the shape of an iPhone app um, and we're partnered with about 20 publishers um, and always adding more. Um, And we, we sort of take a look at um, what all of our publishers offer and we curate um, a group of articles each week, which we produce audio for. Um, We do that in-house. Um, and you know, in our opinion, we work with the, a team of the best audiobook narrators in the world. Um, and, um, ultimately we release that audio through our app. Um, we have, uh, many plans for additional platforms to be added. Um, but right now the, the experience is, is one in which you, you know, browse through the articles that we offer. Um, you can create a playlist and download for offline listening. Um, and then you let it rip. Um, so that's where we are now. Um, right. Yeah. Lots and I, of plans to, to move forward. Yeah. And I, uh, I became aware of it because I, I actually was reading, uh, well, actually I should say, uh, started reading a, uh, article on the Atlantic and this happens to me all the time. I don't know about you, but I'll get like 20 tabs open on my browser of like really long articles that, Oh, I, I should read that. Like if I'm scrolling through my Twitter timeline, I like see like 20 articles I want to read and I never have, you know, cause I'm at work and I can't just sit there for an hour and stare at the screen and do nothing at work. I wish I could, but, um, you know, I, I don't have time necessarily to do that. And I also, you know, I drive a lot. I commute an hour each way to work. Um, so this is the kind of perfect uh, thing. I actually tried out the app uh, yesterday uh, on the way to work, and it was it was brilliant. I listened to an Atlantic article about Kellyanne Conway that I've been meaning to read, and uh, it took about a half an hour, and the, the narrator was, was really good. And, 
yeah, it, it kind of solved my problem because I'm like, oh yeah, now I've now I've heard that story and I wanted to have read that and it's in the time I would have been driving anyway. So yeah, it's kind of a, a perfect uh, solution for uh, something that I've thought has been a problem and just uh, not being able to absorb the articles I wanted to. So. Well, I mean, you you know, you're definitely tapping into the problem that we wanted to solve. I think having, you know, like 50 tabs open with articles you want to get to is the modern day version of the, you know, the stack of New Yorkers that build up because you never get to the issue. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when, when my co-founder Christian and I started this company, that that's what we were thinking of, you know, how, how do we make it more, how do we make it practical to get to the content that you don't have time for? You know, there's so much great storytelling out there. There's so much great long form content, um, that people, you know, just don't have the time for. So, um, you know, applying the audiobook model to it seemed like, uh, seemed like a good, uh, you know, good solution to that mm-hmm. problem. So oh, yeah, I'm glad you, sure. I'm glad you enjoyed the app. Oh yeah, I do a lot. Um, now I did think it was interesting, uh, how you have, uh, different narrators for different stories. Um, how do you go about choosing them? Is it based on the gender of the writer that, that wrote the article? Cause you want it to be in their voice or is it maybe a main character that you want to have more of that voice or how do you go about choosing who reads which article? Yeah, so, you know, um, after after Christian and I sort of settle on the articles that we want to produce audio for that week, we talk about, we talk about narrator choice. Um, and, um, you know, we know, we know our narrators very well at this point. Um, and we, we try and pick uh, a narrator who just feels like the best fit for the style of the article, um, you know, definitely we take into account, you know, who are, who are the main characters of this article, you know, who, which narrator, um, would be ideal in capturing the voices of those, uh, of those characters in the article. You know, with that said, all of our narrators can pretty much handle any article that we throw at them. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very lucky in that sense to have, to have put together a pretty bang up team of, team of talent. Um, but, um, getting to your question about gender, um, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily, um, uh, select uh, a narrator based on the gender of the author. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are exceptions, you know, one, you know, for example, you know, a personal essay, right. Where it was, there's a lot of use of the first person, mm-hmm. um, you know, then, then we tend to try and match the voice as much as we can to, uh, to, you know, not only the gender of the author, but also the age, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that, that can, um, tie our hands a little bit sometimes. Um, but, uh, it, it definitely, you know, we take that into account, but, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of, there's, there's a lot of articles read by men, um, uh, in the app that were articles written by women and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we have a number of articles, uh, written by male journalists that we had a, a female narrator take because we thought she was the best person for the job. Sure. Um, absolutely. Yeah. 
But um, I, I did think it was interesting uh, within the article. Of course, there'll be there'll be quotes from people who who aren't the the journalist. And uh, do do you ever have the person kind of switch their voice a little bit when they're reading a quote from someone within the article? Like if it's supposed to, if it's like say a woman talking, and then all of a sudden it's supposed to be a man that's quoted. Do you do you just uh, kind of let them read it as the same, or do you uh, do you kind of encourage them to do a voice, or what? <laughs> how does that work? Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of these narrators do fiction, Mm -hmm. um, and they'll incorporate, you know, 25, 30, 35 different voices um, into uh, into into a book. Um, you think of a guy like Jim Dale who narrated the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got like a hundred voices. You know, for for all these different characters uh, over the, the course of the seven books. Um, you know, for for nonfiction. Um, you know, we definitely have our narrators. Um, make it as clear as possible to the listener that, you know, they're in a quotation. They're mm-hmm. listening to a, a quote from somebody right now. It's, it's not the author's voice anymore. Right. Um, and, you know, we worked with, the, with, with our team of narrators to find a balance because, you know, we didn't want them to over-dramatize mm-hmm. um, quotations. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in our earliest testing of the app, um, we got feedback from users that in a certain, you know, for a, for a certain, you know, group of articles or, or one article, you know, there was a feeling that, um, you know, uh, a narrator was too dramatic in, in the reading of a quote. Um, mm. And especially when you're kind of dealing with nonfiction content like this, uh-huh. um, we have the we have the narrator take a little bit more of a neutral stance in how they read read a quote. Um, with that said, you know a lot of them are actors, or all of them are actors, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think we're at the point now where where all of them have found have found that balance that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, between uh, you know reading a quote and you know the listener knowing it's a quote, and also. You know, if there's emotion behind it, I think getting in touch with that emotion, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, not not over dramatizing it, not making it like a like a you're listening sure. to Harry Potter, right? <laughs> <Something> <laughs> like that. Of course, uh, yeah. So when there is an opportunity, though, for because uh, I mean, like the, a lot of the things you do are nonfiction, you know, kind of journal, long form journalism. If there is a chance to put, and I, I do this sometimes with with people I'm talking to, if there's a uh, you know on my podcast, I'll put if there's if I can get like a YouTube clip that I can pull the audio from, and we're talking about a certain interview or something uh, you know then I'll just throw that in there right right in our conversation sometimes uh, is that ever something that you consider or do you just have them still do you think you'll always just have people just read the quotes or, or you know have, have you have any thought to experimenting with putting actual you know live audio within that since you know it might be available if it's a well-known quote that you could get yeah, definitely. I, you know, so we thought a lot about, you know, sound design and, and, and the use of source audio. Um, in fact, we have done it on one of our articles. Um, there's an article from the London Review of Books in the app called Living the Life, um, and it talks about, 
um, you know, the world of high powered talent agents, um, you know, looking at people like Michael Ovitz, um, who, who, you know, were, you know, sort of pioneered the modern, uh, the modern version of what it, what it looks like to be, um, you know, the overlord of a talent agency. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so in the beginning of the article, um, you know, we had, we had, uh, Barbara Caruso read this piece, who's, you know, uh, a woman who, um, just, you know, she read, um, she read, uh, a, a couple of uh, Joan Didion books. So she's, you know, she's, she's mm -hmm. serious, but, um, you know, she's just, she's incredibly talented. Actually, a lot of people think that she have, she has a British accent, but mm. she doesn't. She, you know, she studied at the Royal Academy in Britain. But, um, anyway, getting back to the story here. Um, so we had her reading the article and then there was an extended quote from the TV show Entourage. Mm. Um, and so we, um, we spliced in that audio, you know, we had her read the quotes. Um, you know, it's, it's it included it was just like a really like crass quote mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like ari speaking sure. um and he was just saying some pretty awful stuff <laughs> um so so um you know we were like okay let's 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 see what it sounds like with mm -hmm. the source audio in there and it, and it sounds awesome i mean we love it mm -hmm. um uh so but that's the only time we've done it thus far um, yeah. you know i think we you know it would be it would be great, you know, if you're, um, you know, if, if you're reading an article, like we did, um, uh, the Ta-Nehisi Coates piece, my president was black. I saw that. Um, yeah. That was actually one of the first ones I, I noticed that you guys had done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, just such a wonderful, wonderful article, but mm -hmm. you know, I think as we, you know, um, sort of tighten up our process, expand our team, we'll have more time, you know, to, to experiment a little bit on that front. Right, um, right. Well, and, I know it's super labor-intensive to, to go back and, and flag that stuff, and it's especially for the amount of content that you guys are dealing with every single week. So I don't know if that would be feasible to, you know, unless you have a team of editors working around the clock to, to do that, because I, I know it can be pretty labor-intensive to do that. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we'd like to... So right now, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty much the one who's oversees, uh, you know, the audio production process, so I'm responsible for uh, all that audio that gets into the app at this moment. Um, uh, and, you know, it, it, if that were the only thing I did, <laughs> I think that would get, that would that would free up, you know, a lot of room to start getting a little bit more creative. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, alas, I have, you know, I wear 10 other hats, um, as does Christian. So yeah. um, we're we're pretty strapped at this point, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be great to to bring on a team member when we're ready mm -hmm. who who really owns the entire audio production process. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that with the startup, you know, mentality or whatever, it's always you're kind of like you said, you're you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, doing ten different things that you know you normally would have one person do. So you're definitely exactly. uh, making a lot a lot more uh, work for yourself when you do it all yourself like that. So right, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Everything is going simultaneously awesome and terrible at the same time. 
<laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, it's great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so now, when you approach uh, publishers, what is your what is your pitch to them? Are they and and what is their reaction when they when they hear about this idea? Is it something they're receptive to, or do you feel like you have to kind of work hard to kind of sell them on the idea of this? Publishers right now are in you know the early stages. Um, of sort of deciding what they want to do with audio, um, how they want to, you know, whether they want to, you know, start to create their own content, um, whether they want to take existing content um, and um, create audio based around that. Um, so, you know, in the in in the early days, um, I I pitched publishers. We we actually Christian as well. Um, we, we we pitched publishers by sending them the beta version of the app. Um, they got a chance to um, you know kind of test it out. Um, you know. Some publishers were very quick, you know, and they were like, okay, sign us up, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, publishers see it as a great way to learn um, about how their content performs, um, you know, especially when it's kind of, a, a, you know, one-to-one spoken word version of their articles. I think a lot of them are very curious, you know, this is this is an obvious opportunity. Um, uh, what's the payoff? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and again, you know, I think for us, we put we put so much into our audio production. We're at the the, the very high end of the market mm-hmm. here, um, and I think that publishers uh, rest assured that you know we do their content justice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, we see. We see our partners and, and you know you know the great publishing houses as as really the best storytellers out there mm-hmm. um, and uh, so especially when it comes to long form where you have to keep you have to keep somebody's attention mm-hmm. um, and they also need to understand you know what they're listening to mm-hmm. you know there's there there are a lot of sentences <laughs> that that our narrators read that are you know, have very complex grammatical structures, um, and they are very difficult to read. You know, in mm-hmm. the in the early days of the company, I did the narration um, uh-huh. just for like early testing purposes. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think of myself as a as you know a literate, educated person, <laughs> and the narrations were just terrible. Oh yeah, um, and it was you know at once humbling, but also you know super informative about how hard something like this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know as I sort of delved into the audiobook world, um, you know there's a very big difference between um, and, and in some cases, not in all cases, mm-hmm. but there's usually a pretty stark difference between, you know, an author reading his or her own book versus, uh, you know, an audiobook narrator mm. who who does this, you know, for a living yeah. um, and and owns the process and, and has, you know, read, you know, hundreds of books. So sure. it's a, uh, so, yeah, anyway, that's, I would yeah. say that's, that's, that's more or less, you know, I think what the draw is for publishers. Uh-huh. Um, and, um I think a lot of them felt like this was a pretty natural fit. Um, and again, just sort of a low risk way of getting their feet wet in the audio world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's, I think it's paid off. I think it's been a, a you know, a, a good thing for publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, you know, we just got to keep that going. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and uh, you know, as somebody who uh, doesn't read my own work out loud sometimes as much as I should, I definitely am guilty of writing sentences and things that that I've written that I would uh, feel sorry for anyone if they had to read into a <laughs> microphone. So um, it's, it's I mean, yeah, one thing to have yeah. it on the page, and it's another to try to make somebody recite it without taking a breath. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Um, and and it and it's I don't think it necessarily implies bad writing because uh-huh. it's a very big difference between sitting down and reading something and you know despite having you know it's a long-winded sentence you know you get it immediately if you're reading it if you're listening to it and somebody you know places emphasis on the wrong word Mm -hmm. or something you know or just any sort of slight slip up the entire meaning of the sentence changes and the and the listeners just kind of sitting there scratching their head being like what is what what are they talking about (laughs) um so you know again i think it's it's a it's a real art form Mm -hmm. um, and you know i'll 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 praise to be our narrator i'll I'll praise to our narrators so yeah um yeah definitely um now do you ever have to uh slightly rewrite any of the stories that you read just to make it clear of you know who's speaking because i know a lot of times uh you know they'll they'll have a descriptive sentence and then you know they'll have a quote but sometimes if you were just to read it it might not be you know they'll be like said blah 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 but it might be a couple sentences before they say that do you ever have to rewrite it to be like this person said this before you start reading the quote uh, just so it's clear um so we haven't really had to do we haven't had to do anything where um you know, we needed to qualify who's speaking. Um, it's not to say that that won't come up eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, um, and I'm thinking about the New York Review of Books and the London Review of Books, we'll have some pretty, you know, paragraph-long block quotes. Um, and in that case, the most we've ever done there is have the narrator say, quote, yeah. <laughs> and then read the quote, <laughs> and then say, end of quote. I see. But, you know, even for a lot of those block quotes, you know, just, just the way that you, the way that you edit, the way that our audio engineers edit the track and mm-hmm. make it very clear that, okay, I was in a quote and now I'm no longer in a quote. Right, right. There's one instance where we did have to, um, alter the written, uh, alter the, the, the text as it was originally written for audio purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, this was a, London Review of Books article about Bitcoin. Um, And um, so for the segment of the article that described what Bitcoin did, the text version displayed um, these 64 character strings. It was hashed data. Mm. Um, And they displayed the 64 character strings uh, to show people that it doesn't look like a ledger. So in the audio, it would have been very awkward if, you know, the narrator on that piece, Suzanne, was just sitting there reading, you know, 64 random letters and numbers. Um, And so, you know, we had to have her, you know, make it clear um, that, you know, okay, here's another 64 character string and it's different (laughs) than the one that that was that was uh, you know uh, written before that demonstrating this and mm-hmm. when when we made this change you know we worked in close consultation with with the LRB editorial staff mm-hmm. you know um, we had to um, we had to get approval from the author um, and John Lancaster was uh, you know 
super easy and, 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 and great to work with on that. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, we, so the way that basically worked is, you know, we proposed a few changes, um, LRB signed off, um, and we just moved forward. Um, and it, you know, it's still to this day, it's, it's one of my favorite articles in the app. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because I tend toward the, you know, the, the narrative articles about people, this is just about money and Bitcoin for like mm-hmm. an hour mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's super dense, but it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you learn a ton listening to it. Um, so I, I definitely, I, I recommend that one. Yeah. I think it's one of the articles that's available for free in the app. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely like to listen to that one. Um, yeah, I can understand why you changed that. That would, that would kind of <laughs> stop up the proceedings to just to read a, 64 character long uh, string of, of, gar- of garbage so, yeah. right right um, exactly <laughs> now when you go through uh and pick what articles what do you what do you base uh, what's what's your criteria for articles that you think would be uh, good to you know uh, feature on the app is there something about certain articles that jumps out at you that'd be like yes this would be a good one or do the publishers uh propose ones to you or how does that work um all of the above, really. I mean, you know, we, we have we have publishers giving us embargoed copies of their articles. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that, you know, I think at this point they, they kind of have a sense for for what we're looking for. Um, you know, there are some there are some you know very sort of basic criteria. Like it, it should be a long form article that for us is usually like twenty five hundred, three thousand words or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside of that, you know. Um, Christian and I um, are, are we, we try to be in constant communication with as many users as we can and, and get that feedback loop in there. Um, you know, we can also drill down on the data and see which articles perform best. Um, there are some no-brainers that come down the pipe to us, uh, like David Frum's recent piece, uh, How to Build an Autocracy. Oh, yeah. Um, um, so we certainly didn't need to read much of that before knowing that <laughs> we were going to move forward with it. Sure. Um, uh, you know, the Ta-Nehisi Coates piece is another example. Um, but, um, you know, outside of that, you know, I think at this point, you know, we, we would love to be doing a lot more audio production than we already do even now. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we have to be... I think when we're thinking about, you know, what articles we want to, you know, put our resources into, you know, we, we do want to make sure that it, they appeal to as many users as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so we try to get a wide variety of topics in there as much as possible. Um, you know, it would be easy to just do articles about Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we, we try and get as much, um, as many views out there as we can, um, you know, I think we would we would like to be even more balanced than we are in terms of, you know, the, the viewpoints that we can get out there um, from from different authors. Um, you know, we 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 do tend to favor articles that um, have you know either one or two sort of. Um, central people in the article um, with a narrative about those people, we find that those articles tend to perform really well. Of course, you know, the Bitcoin article is an exception, and there are a number of others as well. Um, But we find, you know, those articles that are 
about really interesting topics, um, topics that people care about. Um, if you can involve a person in that story, you know, somebody to grab onto, um, that will keep listeners engaged. Um, there was an article that we did. Um, and in fact, we did several articles by Abram Lusgarden from ProPublica. He wrote a long series about um, water shortages, um, droughts, um, you know, really focusing on things like the Colorado River and Las Vegas and California. Um, and there was one great, great piece that he did called The Water Witch, um, which focused on, um, you know, sort of one uh, sort of central character in the story, but also talking about this um, this larger issue that people care about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that was that was I, I loved that article. I thought that mm-hmm. was a great one. Um, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've definitely had to struggle with you know uh, writing. I, I could just basically write columns about Trump for the next four years, but I kind of have to moderate myself because you know the world doesn't stop turning just because this is happening, and there are other things happening in the world. And you know, I think people might get as important as it, as it seems to keep the focus on that. I think it it also might burn people out if you <laughs> are sounding the alarm every single week or whatever. So I do, and I and I think there's plenty of other things to cover out there, and in, in covering the uh, ancillary effects of, of policy and things like that is also good. So, yeah, it's good that you're you're kind of spreading it out, even though that's kind of the obvious, you know, one to, to cover and spend all your attention on. So, Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's there's a lot of great think pieces out there about Trump. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, but at the same time, you know, I've had users say to me, like, <laughs> they've basically said, you know, I'm so... I'm just so freaked out about the state of the world right now. Can you post more articles that are like about nothing? <laughs> Essentially, you know, like give me more. Like I want more personal essays. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, we we and we and we like to do articles like that. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we like personal essays. Um, um, but you know, we released an article recently um, from a, a publisher called Guernica. Um, uh, about Roger Ebert, um, as, uh, and, and, and this, it, I mean, it's not confirmed, but, but it, it, it seems pretty clear that he did a lot of Wikipedia, Wikipedia editing. Yeah. Um, I heard something about that. Yeah. Uh huh. I heard that. <laughs> so, so this is, this is like kind of a long piece about that. Um, and it's, it's you know it's super interesting it's, you yeah. know, especially if you have any sort of you know affinity towards uh, Ebert and his writing. Oh yeah, um, I went to um, Ebert Fest two years in a row and I actually interviewed his uh, widow Chaz. So oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, she's uh, she's I think briefly discussed in the article. Oh as well, cool. So yeah, um, didn't somebody yeah. publish uh, just a book of his Wikipedia edits? Was that what it was about? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I thought somebody um, self-published a, a book of just a, a Roger Ebert's Wikipedia <laughs> edits, but I'll have awesome. to research that. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's really interesting. I'll have to go back and listen to that one. Um, <clears throat> so, what do you see as your main competition? Do you see any other companies in the same space trying to do what you're doing? And and how do you? Uh, and if you do, how do you differentiate yourself in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, so there are there are you know several companies in our space right now. Um, uh, there are giants like Audible, um, mm-hmm. and 
and um, there are companies that are closer to our size. Um, um, so, um, you know, I think the ways in which we stand out, um, you know, we've, we've got a great roster of partners. Um, and we've also got, you know, a very specific focus on long form. Um, but I would say the big differentiator right now um, is that we are, we produce the best audio that's out there. Um, you know, this is something we decided early on um, to, to you know, put a lot of our resources into. Um, and um, we spent a great deal of time, you know, researching, studying the audiobook industry, you know, talking to the, the people in this industry. And it's, which is, it's a great, you know, small community. Um, uh, so that's been kind of a, a perk is getting to know, know the people in this community. Um, but, but I think, you know, for us, that's, that's something that really stands out. Um, I think we've got a great app, um, that has, you know, a lot of, a lot of unique features. Um, you know, for example, um, uh, as the audio is playing, um, the text of the article will scroll. Yeah, I um, saw that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, you know, we didn't, we didn't design that part, that, that play, the, the playback screen so that people could read and listen at the same time necessarily. Um, I've had a lot of users tell me that that's one of their favorite features. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, the, the purpose behind that screen is actually it's actually how you navigate the audio. So if you scroll down or up or away from wherever you're currently listening um, and tap on any paragraph, the audio will go to that paragraph. Ah, um, cool. And that's you know that's to solve the problem of you know you're listening to a podcast um, mm-hmm. or an audio book and you've got one of those sort of you know seek bars um, mm-hmm. and it just drops you in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and you don't really have much context. Yeah. Um, so. Um, you know, I think we're trying to think as much as we can about features like that, which makes it easier and better for the user. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talked about starting an article um, and not finishing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that we've talked about with our partners is um, incorporating, you know, whether it's a, a browser plugin or just incorporating our you know, technology um, into directly into the publisher's website, but being able to pick up listening where you left off reading, mm. you know, and vice versa. So basically, you know, you would, um, you would, you know, tap on a, you, or you would click on a paragraph where you're, you know, where you're leaving off because you have to get into your car mm-hmm. um, and say, okay, you know, send this to, send this to Autumn to the app so that I can keep listening mm-hmm. or so I can continue the article by listening, um, get a push notification um, on your phone. Um, and then, you know, you jump right to that spot in the article mm-hmm. when you're, when you're ready to, uh, when you're ready to, uh, start listening. Um, yeah. You know, this brings in, you know, um, voice commands, voice computing uh, products like Alexa and Google Home, um, which we think are going to become very ubiquitous. We think digital audio is going to be following you around. Um, and so, uh, you know, w- you know what I just described. You know, we hope that you're doing. Um, uh, 
we hope that you're doing that with your voice, you know, saying, yeah. okay, uh, you know, Alexa or, or whoever, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, send that article to my car. Right. Um, let me, let me pick up, you know, let me pick up listening. Um, uh, have that, have that ready for me. Mm-hmm. Um, incorporating ideas like, um, uh, putting, putting, um, you know, little pockets of data into the audio where you can, you can stop listening to the article mm-hmm. and be like, Oh, um, you know, how did these two people meet again? You know, uh, you know, right. when did, when did Ross Anderson, when did Ross Anderson start Silk Road? How did he meet his girlfriend? You know, get, get caught up again just by using your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's so many places to take this, um, you know, we, we do think voice is, is, is the next big thing, as, as do many others. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just trying to stay a couple of steps ahead of it right now so that we're, you know, very poised to, to capitalize when, you know, everybody has a voice living in their house. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not to sound Orwellian about it, but right, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a telescreen in my house, wonderful. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, I, th- I think audiobooks and, and kind of the podcasts, I, I feel like we're kind of at the, like, it just, it's kind of just reaching, I feel like uh, serial was kind of the thing that, that broke people into thinking about listening to long-form stories and, in a real way um, that people hadn't even listened to podcasts before. I remember back in the '90s there was a um, there was a Seinfeld episode where George had to pretend like he was blind so he could get the audiobooks or whatever. I don't remember the details of that one, but it was like it was such a niche uh, niche thing that that it wasn't like ubiquitous at all. And now I feel like it, the podcasts are really and kind of audiobooks and the idea of like listening to something while you're doing something else and, and absorbing the information that way is it's kind of reaching a peak, you know, uh, ubiquity. People kind of know about it finally. I feel like, you know, I was always into it. I had audiobooks on cassette tape even way back in the day. So, um, you know, I, I definitely was, uh, I listened, uh, it taken information through my ears. I think uh, one of the better ways is, is getting it that way. So this has always been something I've been interested in. But I do feel like the technology and just the idea of doing that is definitely kind of reaching critical mass or whatever. So, Yeah, I mean, I... I, I think you're right. Um, I think, you know, Serial was, was definitely, you know, it was the first time where I, I remember my wife and I were, we were literally sitting in our living room, <laughs> um, like playing, playing Serial through, through, you know, like a Sono speaker, uh-huh. you know, that's normally hooked up on a TV. And we're just kind of like sitting around the couch listening to this audio. And it just felt, you know, it was like, this is new. This is different. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's one of those, that was one of those watershed moments, mm-hmm. you know, for, for audio and digital audio. But now, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you look at the audiobook industry, it's almost a $3 billion industry. Now. Wow. Um, and, you know, that certainly wasn't the case, um, uh, what, like 15, 15 years ago or even mm-hmm. less than that, um, not even close. Yeah. Um, so we're, you know, certainly, you know, the appearance of the smartphone changed everything where you could carry all this audio in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of places where, where it can go next. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and even thinking of that, 
thinking of that Seinfeld episode, um, you know, <laughs> accessibility is huge. Um, you know, incorporating voice controls into Autumn is something we've wanted to do since we started the company. And, you know, we know there's a, there's a, there's a great opportunity to help visually impaired people, you know, listen to the articles that they can't read. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've actually been in communication with the, with a, a couple of our users, um, who who work with with um, blind individuals mm. um, and talking about like okay you know what are the most what are the most useful voice commands out there mm-hmm. um, you know w- w- what do people want what do people need to hear because um, I assume that none of this is intuitive <laughs> for somebody who can see mm-hmm. um, and so you know we but we but we see that you know there's there's definitely there's there's a great opportunity there, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as voice starts to become another form of computing, ambient computing, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, um, accessibility is going to be huge for that. Oh, know? absolutely. Uh, um, it, it's going to change the game, I think, for, for, for the visually impaired. So oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, now, I, uh, I thought you had a pretty interesting bio that you sent me. Uh, you've, you've got a Ph.D. in, in clinical psychology. Um, so how did, how did you go from that career path to this one? How did that happen? That's a good question. <laughs> um, so, um, so, yeah, so uh, I... I took uh, one year in between college and, and going right into a PhD program, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I actually so I I, I met my wife um, in graduate school. Um, we were so the the clinical PhD program at Columbia is is, is, is quite small. We were we were a class of six, <laughs> um, and um, you know so. It, just a side note, there was a lot riding on my wife and I making it. <laughs> it's not ruining it for the other four people if they're to break up. Um, a third of our program is gone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or a third of our program is still here, but they're not. It's, they don't like each other. Yeah, right, um, right. <laughs> um, so, um, but we did it. Um, and um, anyway, so my wife had... Uh, pretty serious back surgery um, um, when we were in our fourth year, um, and I knew I wanted to um, I wanted to sort of stay on the same path as her. Um, um, and so, the, so our your, your last year of your of of the of the program is spent uh, uh, working full time at at, uh, at a hospital, mm-hmm. um, and it's basically our equivalent of a residency mm. um, and a med school residency. Um, so I took a year off when my wife took a year off to recover from the surgery, um, and I worked at a couple of startups. Um, and, you know, kind of instantly fell in love with the environment, um, what it was like to work at a new company um, and, you know, to build a product, to get it out there. I mean, it, it all it all sort of resonated with me. It all clicked, you know, and um, I still wanted to go back. I wanted to finish my degree. Um, you know, you can... Once you have the degree, you can always practice. Sure. <laughs> um, so... Um, uh, both of those startups, one was kind of an outgrowth of the other, but but essentially they, they both folded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back to school, um, 
my wife and I moved out to LA to do our, um, to do our clinical internship. Um, I worked at a VA hospital here in LA, um, and, uh, primarily focused on, on, uh, uh, vets suffering from PTSD. Um, it was a amazing experience. I loved working there. Um, but I knew that, you know, I was, after I defended my dissertation, I knew I wanted to go back into the startup world. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian and I, we actually, um, we went to undergrad together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and although we didn't know each other mm-hmm. <laughs> in college, we were connected through a mutual friend um, who we did go to college with. Actually, he's my brother-in-law. Oh, he's wow. one of Christian's good friends. It's kind of a long story. Yeah, I went to <laughs> I went to college with I went to undergrad with my future sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in the same year. Didn't know her, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I kind of knew my my future brother-in-law. But any, he, anyway, he connected me to Christian, and we we you know we had been talking for several years before we started Autumn. Just sort of once in a while we kick around an idea or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, when, he, when, when, we, when this one was floated out there, um, you know, at first we were like, maybe we'll do this as a side project. Um, and then both of us started to feel really enthusiastic about it. So we went full time. Um, and, uh, that, mm-hmm. that more or less brings me to today. Um, right. I'm, a, I'm a much more fatigued individual now <laughs> than it was two years ago. Um, but, uh, but it's been awesome. Oh yeah. 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 What would your advice be for, yeah. for people that want to do, uh, what you're doing as far as like, cause I've, 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 you know, I've daydreamed about developing an app. I have no idea what it would be, but it seems like an interesting, uh, you know, line of work to get into. What would you say to people that are interested in that? Um, I would say, um, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about it, just know that it is a grind, um, that is difficult to describe. Um, you know, it's, I have a, 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 you know, a wonderful wife who's incredibly supportive, you know, who picks up my slack when I am, uh, when I am working late, um, hours are unpredictable. I've worked every weekend, you know, for the last two years. Mm. (laughs) Um, so, you know, you just have to be ready to, um, you have to be ready to, you know, work your ass off essentially. Mm. Um, you also have to, you have to be able to disconnect from it sometimes as well. You know, I mm-hmm. think if you really love what you're doing, one of the challenges is, is shutting off mm-hmm. um, and being, you know, sort of present to, to hang out with your family. You know, I had a I had a baby about a year ago. Or my wife had a baby. <laughs> all credit. All credit. <laughs> whoa, whoa, there. We, we, did you do the work? <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> no, I didn't. Exactly. Um, I just showed up. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was easy for me. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so I've, I've had to work very hard, you know, to be present in those moments when I'm spending time with the girls. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, if you, if you, if you are lucky enough 
to to get to do this and start a company and get your and get your product off the ground talk to your customers do whatever you have to do to get in touch with people who are using your product learn where you've made mistakes um, learn what you're doing right and and pivot and well, not pivot just you know kind of just just keep hammering away at, at the right path or what seems like the right path based on your discussion with customers um, I, I try and send an email to every single customer who tries out the app um, I'm a little behind right now <laughs> um, but um, I've learned an immense amount from our customers um, um, sub- subscribers, non-subscribers alike, um, there is, you're going to learn very quickly, you know, whether you're onto something, um, whether you've completely missed the mark or, you know, uh, most likely, you know, that you're, that you, you might be onto something, but you have to do like 80 things differently, um, and better, um, so that yeah, I guess yeah that that would be my my biggest piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you know a lot of people can do this alone. Um, uh, I guess Elon Musk is an example. <laughs> um, but you know for those of us who aren't Elon, um, yeah. get a co-founder. You know mm-hmm. do this with somebody else. Um, uh, it, it, it it can be really tough you know it's a it's a marriage in and of itself um and christian and i have this sort of added challenge of being on opposite sides of the country you know christian lives in brooklyn i live in los angeles um and there are so many great organizational tools out there already that help you know keep that process alive but you have to make sure that you are you know talking things through um understanding you know where the challenges are in a, in in a partnership like that, um, and I it, you know it, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> starting a company with somebody you know who's on. Yeah, it would be great if you were in the same city. That would be awesome. Um, but you know even if you are, you know you have to work hard at at you know keeping that partnership that partnership tight um, and productive. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I, I definitely uh, feel like that's that's very true. If if you have kind of a something that you want to do and, and you're really into it, it is you kind of have to draw your own line about where work ends and your life begins because it it will just bleed into the rest of your life. Because if if it's one of those things where it's like oh five o'clock rings and I can drop what I'm doing and not think about it anymore, that's uh, not really something you care all that much about. But if you do care about it, you know, you kind of have to turn yourself off sometimes. And like you said, be present with your family otherwise it'll just bleed into every facet of your life so exactly yeah definitely um so uh yeah so we always like i said we always talk about music uh here at the end and uh you know you said you were a pretty serious uh drummer um so what kind of what kind of music did you uh play when you were drumming seriously yeah so i was in a couple of bands um did it did a few small tours um here and there so um in that year off that i took between college and grad school i was i was playing a lot of music i also played a lot of music in college as well um uh and you know columbia actually had a pretty great music scene for for you know aspiring bands you know i i i uh i came out of the the same class as, as vampire weekend oh wow um uh you know really good guys um 
and uh, um, you know, not without you know feeling a lot of envy. <laughs> as of course, they, as they <laughs> rose to prominence, um, and we were still playing, you know, small clubs in New York. Sure, um, but. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, I I would say the the band I was most serious with, you know, we played a lot of sort of alternative rock, you know, uh, my in the style of My Morning Jacket, nice. um, bands like that. Um, uh, I still listen to them. Um, I listen to uh, uh, you know other bands in that same sort of vein, like Manchester Orchestra. Mm. Um, but I, I would say I'm mostly sort of an indie guy at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Stephen Stevens seen him a bunch of times um uh tallest man on earth is one of my favorites um you know i listen to i was i guess i still am a big uh bon Iver fan um you know a lot of music in that in that type of vein um i i also played with um uh, another guy who's still at it his name is matt bayless um he uh he's he's kind of more in the uh, pop rock end of the spectrum i guess mm-hmm. um uh he's got a pretty pretty great youtube following he's got a killer voice um so that was fun um and now now i just play the drums in my basement so, <laughs> um, <laughs> um i have I, I think i have one of the only subterranean basements in in uh, greater los angeles so <laughs> as soon as i saw it i was like well i'm putting a drum set yeah, in there <laughs> i kind of have to yeah <laughs> Exactly. That's um, awesome. I mean, yeah, you know, music has been a big part of my life for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Radiohead. I was a, I, I minored in jazz studies in college, actually, mm-hmm. so I kind of like studied the academic side of jazz. I'm by no means a, a, a proficient jazz drummer, um, but uh, but uh, loved the art form. Had some some great professors. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. music. Good times. <laughs> Awesome. Was there anything else I didn't ask you about that you want to get in there, either about yourself or the app or anything? Um, I don't think so. I think we covered it. Cool. Awesome. Well, I, I like I said, I really enjoy the app, and I think you got a, a great idea that uh, that you've uh, kind of latched onto here. And I don't see any reason why it couldn't get uh, you know bigger and bigger. And it just like I said when I wrote the article uh, that I included it in that you know I don't see any kind of stopping for it because it seems like you just kind of endlessly have have more content because people are always writing articles and need to be read. Indeed. So yeah. Thanks, Rob. So, we appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Well, have a good rest of your day here. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Later. Bye-bye.
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.